welcome back to the Baseline Feed Podcast. In this tale from an old man, we're immersing ourselves once again into the mind of Edgar Allan Poe and a little lesson on vengeance. Before we get to that, I'd like to speak for the entire Baseline Feed team and send out our deepest appreciation for our patrons, our listeners, and those who share this podcast as you do. Our goal here is to provide an opportunity to break the barriers holding back new voice actors and writers and provide for them a platform to express their artistic side. In this story, we hear about how being wronged in small ways over a period of time can drive a person to do terrible things. Not only does it fester inside, it can twist the mind to make it believe that committing horrors whilst looking into the eyes of the victim is the only solution. It can even turn brother against brother in deplorable acts. Now, let us sit back and enjoy the performance of J. Philip Morris as poor Fortunato, who endures and eventually succumbs to the wrath of vengeance while experiencing every stage of grief. And our resonant old man is Montresor, the man who has been overcome with and twisted by the idea of revenge. In this fourth production entitled, The Cask of Amontillado. The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had bore as best I could. But when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. You, who so well know the nature of my soul, will not suppose. However, that I gave utterance to a threat. At length, I would be avenged. This was a point definitely settled. But the very definiteness with which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. A wrong is unredressed when retribution overtakes its redresser. It is equally unredressed when the avenger fails to make himself felt as such to him who has done the wrong. It must be understood that neither by word nor deed had I given Fortunato cause to doubt my goodwill. I continued, as was my wont, to smile in his face, and he did not perceive that my smile now was at the thought of his immolation. He had a weak point, this Fortunato. Although in other regards, he was a man to be respected and even feared. He prided himself on his connoisseurship of wine. Few Italians have the true virtuoso spirit. For the most part, their enthusiasm is adopted to suit the time 
and opportunity to practice imposture upon the British and Austrian millionaires. In painting and gemmery, Fortunato, like his countrymen, was a quack. But in the matter of old wines, he was sincere. In this respect, it did not differ from him materially. I was skillful in the Italian vintages myself, and bought largely whenever I could. It was about dusk one evening, during the supreme madness of the carnival season, that I encountered my friend. He accosted me with excessive warmth, for he had been drinking too much. The man wore motley. He had on a tight-fitting, party-striped dress, and his head was surmounted by the conical cap and bells. So pleased to see him that I thought I should never have wrung his hand. My dear Fortunado, you are lucky met. How remarkably well you are looking today. But I have received a pipe of what passes for Amontado, and I have my doubts. How? Amontado? A pipe? Impossible. And in the middle of the carnival. I have my doubts, and I was silly enough to pay the full Amantado price without consulting you on the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amantado! I have my doubts, and I must satisfy Amantado! As you are engaged, I am on my way to Lucchese. If anyone has a critical turn, it is he. He will tell me. Lucchesi cannot tell Amondato from shit. And yet some fools will have it that his taste is a match for your own. Come, let us go. Whither? To your vaults. My friend, no. I will not impose on your good nature. I perceive you have an engagement. Lucchesi. I have no engagement. Um, My friend, no, it is not the engagement, but the severe cold with which I perceive you are afflicted. The vaults are unsufferably damp. They are encrusted with nitre. Let us go nevertheless. The cold is merely nothing. Amontato. You have been imposed upon. As for Lucchesi, he... And not distinguish Sherry from Amondato. Thus speaking, Fortunato possessed himself upon my arm. Putting on a mask of black silk and drawing a reliquary closely about my person. I suffered him to hurry me to my palazzo. There were no attendants at my home and they had absconded to make merry in honor of the time. I had told them that I should not return until the morning, and had given them explicit orders not to stir the house. These orders were sufficient. I well knew to ensure their immediate disappearance, one and for all, as soon as my back was turned.
I took from their sconces two flambeaux, and giving one to Fortunato, bowed him through several suites of rooms to the archway that led into the halls. I passed down a long and winding staircase, requesting him to be cautious as he followed. We came at length to the foot of the descent and stood together on the damp ground of the catacombs of the Montessors. The gait of my friend was unsteady and the bells upon his cap jingled as he strode. The pipe. It is further on. But observe the white webwork which gleams from these cavern walls. He turned towards me and looked into my eyes with two filmy orbs that distilled the realm of intoxication. Nitro? Ye nitre, and how long have you had this cough? <coughs> My poor friend found it impossible to reply for many minutes. It is nothing. Come, we will go back. Your health is precious. You are rich, respected, admired, beloved. You are happy as once I was. You are a man to be missed. For me, it is no matter. We will go back. You will be ill, and I cannot be responsible. Besides, there is Luigi. Enough. The cough is mere nothing. It will not kill me. I shall not die of a cough. True, true. And indeed, I had no intention of alarming you unnecessarily. But you should use all proper precaution. A draught of this middock will defend us from the damp. Here I knocked off the neck of a bottle, which I drew from a long row of its fellows that lay upon the mold. He raised it to his lips with a leer. He paused and nodded to me familiarly while his bells jingled. I drink to the buried that repose around us. And I to your long life. He again took my arm and we proceeded. These vaults are extensive. The Montessors were a great and numerous family. <laughs> I forget your arms. A human foot odor in a field azure. The foot crushes a serpent rampant. Those fangs are embedded in the heel. And the motto? Nemo me impun lacit. Good. The wine sparkled in his eyes, and the bells jingled. My own fancy grew warm with the middock. We had passed through walls of piles of bones, with the casks and ponchons intermingling into the innermost recesses of the catacombs. I paused again, and this time I made bold to seize Fortunato by an arm above the elbow. The nighter! See? It increases. It hangs like moss upon the vaults. We are below the riverbed. 
the drops of moisture trickle among the bones. Come, we will go back, ere it is too late. Your cough, it is nothing. Let us go on. But first, another draft of the Medoc. I broke and reached him a flacon of the graph. He emptied it in a breath. His eyes flashed with a fierce light. He laughed and threw the bottle upward with a gestation I did not understand. I looked at him with surprise. He repeated the movement, a grotesque one. You do not comprehend. Not I. Then you are not of the Brotherhood. How? You are not of the Masons. Yes. Yes, I... You? Impossible. A Mason? A Mason? A sign. It is this. I answered, producing a towel from beneath the folds of my reliquary. You jest. But let us proceed to the Amandato. Be it so. I said, replacing the tool beneath the cloak and again offering him my arm. He leaned upon it heavily. We continued our route in search of the Amandaro. We passed through a range of low arches, descended, passed on, and descended again, arrived at a deep crypt in which the foulness of the air caused our flambeau rather to glow than flame. At the most remote end of the crypt, there appeared another less spacious. Its walls had been lined with the human remains, piled to the vault overhead, in the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris. Three sides of this interior crypt were still ornamented in this manner. From the fourth, the bones had been thrown down and lay promiscuously upon the earth, forming at one point a mound of some size. Within the wall, thus exposed by the displacing of the bones, we perceived a still interior recess, in depth about four feet, in width three, in height six or seven. It seemed to have been constructed for no especial use within itself, but formed merely the interval between the two colossal supports of the roof of the catacombs and was blocked by one of their circumscribing walls of solid granite. It was in vain that Fortunato, uplifting his dull torch, endeavored to pry into the depths of the recess. The feeble light did not enable us to see. Proceed. Herein is the Amandado. As for Lucchese, he is an ignoramus. He stepped unsteadily forward while I followed immediately at his heels. In an instant, he had reached the extremity of the niche, and finding his progress arrested by the rock, stood stupidly bewildered. A moment more, and I had fettered him into the ground. In its surface were two iron staples, distant from each other about two feet horizontally. From one of these depended a short chain, from the other a padlock. Throwing the links around his waist, it was but the work of a few seconds to secure it. 
He was too much astounded to resist. Withdrawing the key, I stepped back from the recess. Pass your hand over the wall. You cannot help feeling the nitre. Indeed, it is very damp. Once more, let me implore you to return. No? Then I will positively leave you. But I must first render you all the little attentions in my power. <gasps> the Amantado! True, the Amantado. As I said these words, I busied myself among the pile of the bones of which I have before spoken. Throwing them aside, I soon uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials and the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche. I had scarcely laid the first tier of my masonry when I discovered that the intoxication of Fortunado had in great measure worn off. The earliest indication of this was a low moaning cry from the depth of the recess. It was not a cry of a drunken man. There was then a long and obstinate silence. I laid the second tier, and the third, and the fourth. And then I heard a furious vibration of the chain. The noise lasted for several minutes, during which, that I might hearken to it with more satisfaction, I ceased my labors and sat down upon the bones. When at last the clanking subsided, I resumed the trowel and finished, without interruption, the fifth. The wall was nearly upon a level with my breast. I again paused and holding the flambeau over the mason's work, threw a few feeble rays upon the figure within. A succession of loud and shrill screams bursting suddenly from the throat of the chained form seemed to thrust me violently back. For a brief moment, I hesitated. I trembled. Unsheathing my rapier, I began to grope with it about the recess. But the thought of an instant reassured me. I placed my hand upon the solid fabric of the catacombs, and I felt satisfied. I reapproached the wall. I replied to the yells of him who clamored. I re-echoed. I aided. I surpassed them in volume and strength. I did this, and the clamor grew still. It was now midnight, and my task was growing to a close. I had completed the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth tier. I had finished a portion of the last and the eleventh. There remained but a single stone to be fitted and plastered in. I struggled with his weight. I placed it partially in its destined position. But now, from out the niche, a, a low laugh that erected the hairs upon my head. It was succeeded 
by a sad voice, which I had difficulty in recognizing as that of the noble Fortunato. The voice said, <laughs> A very good joke indeed. An excellent jest. We will have many a rich laugh at the plaza. <laughs> Over our wine. <laughs> the Amontado! <laughs> yes, the, the Amontado. Uh, but is it uh, not getting late? Will they not be awaiting us at the palazzo? The Lady Fortuna and the rest? Let us be gone. Yes, let us be gone. For the love of God, Montessor! Yes, for the love of God! But to these words, I hearkened in vain for a reply. I grew impatient. I called aloud, Fortunato! Fortunato! No answer still. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture and let it fall with it. There came forth, in return, only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick on account of the dampness of the catacombs. I hastened to make an end of my labor. I forced the last stone into its position and plastered it up. Against the new masonry, I re-erected the old rampart of bones. For half of a century, no mortal has disturbed them. In pace, a requisite. Thank you for listening. Keep on the lookout for more tales from an old man. Baseline Feed is in collaboration with the Grey Roots Productions Network. Feel free to check out our website at BaselineFeed.com. There, you can see all of our episodes, submit stories for future productions, voice demos for jumping into the audio drama industry, and even chat with us directly. Also, consider contributing to our podcast by checking out our Patreon page for early access to all episodes, ad-free listening, and a few bonuses along the way.